Father, we thank you for all that you've done. What a beautiful name it is, a name that is above every name. And at that name, we will worship you. We will bow down and thank you for all the things you've done. Open our hearts and our minds and understanding. And may we comprehend the totality of you. And if we're struggling in any area, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom to be able to understand and know what is the depth, the height and the width and the breadth of our God. Our goal is to know you and to make you known. For this and all these, we give you glory, give you honor. I pray, Father, I submit myself to you and everything that you want to do. Use my mouth and my tongue as a mouthpiece for you. Speak to your people. These are your sons and daughters. Speak, O God, through your word. May we comprehend understanding about your your purpose and your will for marriage. God, that that our marriage may reflect you. We honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, How many single people we have in here? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, single people. All right. Um, longest marriage in here. How long? How long you been married? Four years. Okay, okay. Anybody else? How long you been married? Twelve and a half? Good, yeah. Twenty-three. Good. Anyone else? Nineteen. Who was that? Thirteen. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. A long time? Usually the man is perplexed, not the woman. Huh? Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Seven? Okay. Uh, let me get something just a minute. We'll do. Okay, we're there now. All right. Um, interesting. Two weeks we 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 we've been doing a marriage conference and in our preparation for for the conference in Kenya and in Uganda, um, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and says, uh, many of my people don't understand the nature of the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. Now, the reason why we in America struggle with the idea of a kingdom and idea of a king, because if you know anything about our history, we rebelled against it. We despise the idea that some person would lord themselves over us and, and, and demand of us servitude. I mean, woven into the fabric of our country is rebellion. You know, for a good reason. Um, and so the idea of a king, a monarchy, a kingdom, territory, that's foreign to the Western mind, totally foreign. And knowing is, it's foreign to us, I believe we're missing out on an incredible understanding of who God is and what God has established because God is a king. And like every king, they establish a king. They have a kingdom. And in that kingdom, they have subjects. And in that kingdom, all of the people represent that king. The land and the laws represent that king, his order, his, his men. And every king uh, desire is to expand its, its territory. Many of you realize that um, in America, American history, I'm just laying a foundation that um, the British came over and established colony along the Atlantic seacoast. And then France and Spain came into Louisiana and sort of bounced us back and forth between Spain and France. And, and so pretty much outside of the Native Americans, pretty much everybody else comes from and uh, has its roots from a foreign kingdom. Uh, immigrants or descendants from other nations. And God is no different. Good morning, Mom. Good to see you this morning. You're looking well. And God is no different. God, as a king, desired to extend his kingdom uh, with new territory. So he created what? Anybody know what he created? What, what did he create to extend his rule and authority? He created earth. Now, when he created earth, he wanted everything 
in that in that creation to reflect him. But in order to do that, he had to create something that would model that would look like him. So anybody know what he created? He created man. And the first thing he did, he said, let us, the triune God, create man in our image and our likeness. Now, if this man was going to look like God, God had to give him uh, a Swahili word that I learned and a Hebrew word. He had to give him what we call memlaka. That's called authority, reign, or rule. Because in Genesis chapter 1, 26, he let us make man our image and likeness and um, let them have memlaka, let them have rule, let them have order or dominion over what? God's new territory. Now, interesting enough, even though we know that Great Britain has been long gone out of our territory, we know we see the effects because we see that they were here at one time. Well, even though God physically is not here, but we see influences of his authority in the earth. And one of the things we see that is uh, that reflects God is the fact that, number one, you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. Look in that open paragraph of your book um, on, 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 chapter, on lesson five. It says, as we first learned in the lesson, God is a what? Creator. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. What makes God unique is that he don't need stuff to make stuff. The word creator is sort of like that word ex nihilio, which means out of nothing comes something because he spoke it. The very words that God speak in it has the substance of his purpose. Y'all staying with me. okay? so whenever God speaks, what's what's in what's ingrained in his word is his purpose. Nothing comes into existence without God attaching a reason for it. Boy, that little thing just scared me. What in the world? I'm like, whoa. Now, I'm glad he was looking at you because he hadn't looked at me. I'm like, hey, we had that prayer. I'm like, okay, let me sit right here. I'm like, like, whoa. Okay, let me get back to my train of thought. Lovely dog, girl. And, And so when God spoke something in the creation... And spoken into existence, that thing he spoke had the purpose and by design to reflect him. Okay? It says here, he beautifully designed all creation. He intricately wove together the order we see in the universe. We stand in awe of the details he used in displaying his glory. Notice the purpose of all creation was to display his what? His what? That means everything in creation is to point to who? To point to who? Okay, we get in trouble when we take things he created, put in our hands, and we make it point to us. Okay, that's a secret. The glory is most clearly seen in the crown of his creation, male and female. What is the crown of his creation? What is the crown of his creation? Okay, I'm going to wait till everybody say it. What is the crown of his creation? Now notice, the crown of his creation is male and female. I don't need to tell you what what our culture is doing with that. Because now, when you redefine that, it's bringing glory to you, not to him. When I say you, I'm talking man. Good morning, sir. Okay? He beautifully designed them to reflect his glory. As we look in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see the purpose God designed for what? For what? For what? So if everything in God's creation is supposed to reflect and bring him glory, God created marriage. What is the purpose, original design and purpose for marriage? Huh? Okay, what else? Okay. The purpose and the design, the original design for marriage is to bring him glory and make him happy. I made this statement in Africa and in Uganda. I'm going to make this statement to you and I'm going to let you chew on it. Marriage was never designed to make you happy. Originally, marriage was never designed to make you happy. (laughs) Let me go on. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. Our biggest struggle in understanding God is not understanding that God is a God of purpose. Everything he touches, everything that exists, exists for him and not us. We get in trouble when we want the glory. Marriages get in trouble when we want the marriage to please us. 
And the reason why one out of every two marriages fail is because we enter into that institution not understanding why this institution was created for us. It was created so that this union, like the, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune, this union, the two shall become what? That we don't serve three gods. God is a triune one God manifesting himself in three parts. And when he created man, he made man in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So anytime we don't understand the purpose of a thing, the abuse of that thing becomes inevitable. And the reason why marriages are struggling in the world, in the church, is because we have left the understanding of what kingdom principles are as it relates to marriage. Marriage was never designed to make you happy. It was designed to glorify God. Now, when a marriage glorifies God, when two people understand that, then they have a wonderful marriage and then they enjoy their marriage. Because at the heart of their marriage is the understanding that what I do as a husband and what Nadine do as a wife is to bring glory to the Father. Our marriage is to reflect the triune God. And if we both understand that, there is no room for selfishness. I'm not feeling you no more. I don't love you no more. You get on my last nerves. Why don't you change? You see the struggle? Now, all of a sudden, this thing is starting to become a revelation because I'm looking in your eye and you're like, so that's what, what's the problem? Yeah. See, it's crazy. Men go into marriage hoping that their wives never change and they do. Women go into marriage hoping that their husbands change and they don't. It's crazy. And yet God intricately designed marriage to reflect him. To bring him glory, not our own. Okay. so what's the first thing? The first purpose, the number one purpose for marriage is to mutually what? We glorify God, but that's to him. But to do what between the two of us? Huh? To complete. Somebody say complete. Now, that didn't mean that it's not to say that Adam was some kind of lacking something. He wasn't complete because, I mean, God created him just like him. God is a perfect God. Let's look at him. In Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Genesis two eighteen. Now, look what it says. I want you to read this with me. Ready? Read. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Stop right there. First of all, we see in, in creation the first time God declares something not good. Because up to that point, what did God say after everything he created? It's what? It's what? It's good. good. And in Hebrew, it's excellent. But for the first time, we see God saying, declaring out of his mouth. Now, remember, I told you, every time God speaks something was filled in his words, his purpose. So if God says something was not good, then he's, going, he's got to solve the problem that he is seeing. So out of his not good comes a purpose for the thing that's not good. Now, knowing the rest of the story, I, I just thought the ladies would have been doing this. Because you are the answer for our not good. No, you're not. You're not the better half. No, ma'am. We're going to kill that. We're going to kill that. Stop saying better half, because if if you giving me half of you, who getting the other half? First of all, I would love my wife to be God's pleasure. And until she is pleasing God, she will never be able to please you. Well, I know what you're saying, but I'm getting in here and I'm, I'm just readjusting a lot of screws in here. This has been two weeks. I've been we've been teaching this. Yeah, hey, that's no problem. We just want to add a little bit, of, a little bit of something else to what you now know, just to give you a, another way to look at it from a God perspective. So he says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Now, interesting, the word alone is actually two words cut in half and brought together. The word is all one. It's not good for a man to be all one. 
Now, that's not saying your singleness, there's something wrong with your singleness, because as a single person, you have the greatest potential to do the greatest thing for God. Because think about it, girl, you get up, <laughs> you ain't got to go answer to nobody. You go put your clothes in and you just go do you, you and God. But there are things changes when you become married, you become a husband, you become a wife, because now God put, put specifics specific responsibilities on how a husband should love his wife and how a wife should honor and reverence her husband. And then they have this equal submission one to another. Kenya, man here, woman here. Uganda, man here, woman here. And here's the crazy part. I see, t- I see parts of that in our culture. In the workforce, two lawyers, equal in terms of qualification. But for some reason, that woman makes less than him. That's not the. That's not God. If she has gone through everything he has gone through, equal representation, equal knowledge, no, 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 then why, why is it that she has to make less? Who said she had to make less? And why is she making less? And we see that too many times in the kingdom house. Okay, I'm going to not touch that. Let me go on. Oh, I'm telling you, two weeks with this. So he says, it's not good for a man to be all one. And he says, the answer for that is I will make a helper. Now, notice the word helper is not does not take the in the 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 connotation of subservient. Less in value. The word helper here, he says, is the same word when you look up the word helper is is synonymous to God. When it says, and David says, and I will call on the Lord who is my helper. It's, and so what happens is because David is calling on God as his helper doesn't diminish God's power. Because the one doing the calling is actually in need of the help of the one who's greater. So when God created your wife, he says, I'm going to make her and she's going to function like me to you. She's not going to be less than you. She's going to be everything you ever needed to complete you. I still got a little Kenya in me. Gentlemen, the greatest thing that has ever happened to you besides accepting Jesus Christ is walking down that aisle and saying, I do to the woman that's sitting next to you. That is the greatest thing ever happened to a man. You recording that? Huh? You can recall. Truth is true, baby, regardless where it's coming from. So, so everywhere you see Israel calling on God, God, I need your help. Every time the word help is attached to God, it's referencing the same thing when God says, I'm going to give you a help. When I look, I've been married 34 years. When I look at my life before Nadine and I look at my life after Nadine, oh, I am so better, so much more better. I know that's not a good much more better, but that but she has done that to me. There ain't no way in the world to be wearing a pink shirt with a pink tie, but she did that. And she says, you look good, boy. Thank you. There was things about my life, Doc, that was just a mess. And she came along and everything that God created her, me to walk in, she came and completed all that. That was just, I, I am in awe of the love of God. When God looked at my heart and, and he said, Freddie, when you find your purpose in me, then the girl's coming. Until you find your purpose in me, you're going to keep going after the wrong woman. <laughs> okay. Up to this point, God has said all of his creation was good. And we said that. The first time God says something in creation was not good, in the Garden of Eden, Adam walked and talked with God. Amazingly, this was not enough. God created a unique need in his heart, the heart of Adam. He created a need uh, for companionship. Somebody say companionship. That was not met by his personal pr- uh, presence. Because remember... Um, let me, let me continue. Adam experienced God in the middle of perfection, yet Adam was still alone. He experienced God 
in the midst of perfection, but there was something in him that needed to complete him. Now, I want you to see this. As we read in Genesis, we also see what God, uh, how, what God did to solve Adam's need. In Genesis chapter 2, 19 to 22, let's look at that. It says this. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird and ev- of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Now, wow, why would God create the creature and then ask Adam to sit down and says, I want you to name it. You see, here's what I need you to understand. From a kingdom perspective, when a king gives an order, his subjects must follow it. So because Adam is a subject of God who is a king and he represents God's kingdom, when Adam began to declare out of his mouth what the thing was, he was acting as a king, small k, because he had the authority of the big k, king, to whatever he declared to make it so. How do you know that? Because back in the day, would go, this town cry would go, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. He is declaring what the king was saying. And when he declared it, the land says, okay, now when you rebelled against it, then you had some problems. So when Adam was, God was sending every animal by Adam, he was naming, he was saying, hear ye, hear ye. Whatever I name, the king that's, that I'm submitting to will make it so because he's given me memlaka and authority to declare it out of my mouth. Well, why was that? Because Adam's existence was from the declaration of God's mouth. So if Adam was like God, then God says, I'm going to ma- allow you to do what I do. Open your mouth. Speak and it will be so. Why is that? Because I opened my mouth, I spoke and it was so. You have to be careful as believers in the kingdom what comes out of your mouth. The light gonna come on. Because, not because of you, but because who you serve. Satan knows all too well if he cannot stop you, he will hinder you through your mouth, the words of your mouth. And if he cannot hinder you and, because, and cause you to say it as a child, he will hurt you by the words of other people's mouths. And you will live with that mentally all through your adult life. Walking in victory, serving the Lord, but still struggling with, because of what was spoken over you as a child. Just said everything that happened to me, I, I feel it. Amen. <laughs> I'll take that Holy Spirit to do whatever you need to do in it. For those of you who got children, when you find teachers speaking over your children negatively, you reverse that curse and you speak over your children. You, you, you cancel out what was spoken over your child by those teachers or by those, those kids. You cancel it out. You speak the word of God over your children. Words are powerful. So here we see that he says, and Adam said, whatever God told him to name, he named it. Then the man gave names to all livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. Adam did not have anything to name look like him. For the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Watch this, follow this. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up the place where um, place with, with, with flesh. Now, I say this all the time. Adam definitely could not have been a black man because he wouldn't have gave up that rib so quickly. <laughs> and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Wow, I want you to see this. God says in order, he passed every animal by Adam and Adam named it. What was unique is that every animal he named had a companion suitable for the purpose of its existence but when god looked he said okay baboon can't do it giraffe giraffe can't do it none of this can do it i need to make another man god said i need to make another man so he put this man to sleep and pulled from him a rib and created another one another one like him but it was different he says i'm going to create a man And then I'm going to call this man a wound man. A man with a wound. Why create this wound man? Because the very next thing he's going to give them is purpose. Be fruitful and multiply. 
You see, the very existence of a man, a man was created to be a giver. A woman was created to be a receiver. A man was never created to be a receiver unless he's playing football. Some of y'all will get that later. And when we understand kingdom principles of the origination of God creating this man and this woman, we won't have issues. How are we? Why am I struggling with my wife when the authority was given to both of us and not one of us? Every time I even had an idea of even slapping my wife, go slap yourself. Oh, by the way, gentlemen, just so that you know, whatever it is that you struggle with your wife in terms of her tendencies, guess what? Before she showed up, you had that. (laughs) That was in you. Oh, by the way, women talk all day long. That's good. But guess what? That was us. That was us. We, we, God just took parts of us and gave it to her to complete us. Sometimes, men, we need to hear someone say some things. Because like every other man, when we have issues, we draw back into our cave. As men are logical thinkers. So we see God created this woman to complete this man. And what I find interesting is that when Adam saw her, he said, this, just like he had spoken, he said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, she shall be called. Now, he had named, look, right before that, he had named every other creature. So he had the authority. So God says, okay, what do you want to call her? I want to call her whoa, man. Because the first time I saw her, I went, whoa, man. And I'm going to call her woman because she was taken from me. She is me. She's not apart from me. She has, but she is you. She is you. She is you. That's when Paul says, you know, in, in, in synopsis, he said, no man has ever defiled his body or hurt his body, hurt himself. So if you can't, if you don't want to hurt yourself, you take care of your body. Then that lady sitting next to you, that's you. That's you. That's kingdom. God's solution for Adam's need was to create a helper suitable for him. Someone who would come literally to his rescue like God. Doesn't devalue her. It placed her on equal planes with him because he says, let them have what? Dominion. Let them have what? Let them have what? I'm always everybody said, let them have what? Let them have what? Dominion. See, some of y'all can't even say that. Because somehow in your culture, somehow in your family, you saw your daddy dominate your mom. And so you think that's just the order of things. No, remember I told you, whatever God creates, it's supposed to reflect him. And the problem I saw in Kenya, the problem I saw in, in, in Uganda, and the problem I see here in, in America is that our marriages are being created to reflect us and not him. See, when you get Freddie, you get Nadine. When you see Freddie, you see Nadine. You ain't going to never get me to say something different than what... If I speak evil of my wife, I might as well go ahead and speak evil of me. Nadine and I are one. When Jesus was getting ready to leave and die, he prayed to the Father, Father, make them one as you and I are one. And when you walk in union with your husband and your wife, the desire of Jesus Christ, he said, Lord, now that they've gotten married, make these two people one, just like we are one, so they can reflect us to the world that don't know us. Is it possible the reason why our culture is redefining marriage is because we've done a poor job as believers of reflecting God in it? Okay, I'm supposed to be teaching. Bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. We as believers need to be determined. Our model for marriage is not Dr. Phil. It's not Oprah. It's God. Questions, comments, questions, comments. It is good to point out that the other word helper is used to describe Eve here in Genesis 2 
is the same word I said before, described that God himself in other places in the Old Testament. This description for Eve was intended to be demonstration, a demonstration of her elevated role in, in the order that God designated. For Eve to be called a helper speaks more uh, to the fact that God had plans for her, plans for Adam, that he could not fulfill without a mate. Adam was incomplete. Adam needed Eve. Now, when God calls you to marry, he gives you a mate who, by his own design, will complete you. Together, you will be stronger, more effective than, than if you were to remain single. Now, the passage, again, does not imply that single people are incomplete if they never get married. All of us are created in the image of God and bring him glory when we yield ourselves to his purpose and his plans for our lives. So we're not saying singleness is there is a, you know, being wrong for single, being single. We're just basically saying that you are much more effective when the Bible said two becoming one, where one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. That's called the, uh, 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 the, the uh, agreement. Paul said, how can two walk together unless they agree to walk together? Amen. But if God called you to get married... God has uniquely designed your spouse to compliment you. We're not called to change the things about our spouse that are different from us, but rather celebrate who God made them to be. We celebrate what God made them to be. Our commitment to God enables us to see our spouse as God's perfect complement to our lives. So first of all, we see... Um, the fact that God created marriage so that it can bring uh, completeness. Second, the multiply the godly legacy. Um, in uh, my session with the men, we talked about leaving a godly legacy. Okay? As we continue looking at the book of Genesis, we see a second purpose. In Genesis chapter 128, let's read together. Ready? Read. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, <clears throat> fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now, we've heard, how many of you heard that scripture before? Let me just back this thing up and, t- and show you something. Let's read it together. Ready? The, read the first one, two, three, four words. Ready? Read. Read it again. Read it again. Who did God bless? Who did He bless? He blessed them. He blessed them. He blessed them. He blessed them. Anytime he gave authority to them, anytime we change the order of things, we're not going to have God's grace or his blessings on it. God blessed them. And if God blessed the union, why are we trying to not bless the union? Why are we trying to make marriage about one part, one part of the marriage, the person in the marriage? Now, there are responsibilities that God has given the husband and responsibilities he's given to the wife. But those things can function perfectly when we understand that God's kingdom agenda for marriage is that, first of all, he blessed them. He empowered them. A blessing is what we call an empowerment. In other words, when the two of you got married, literally the father laid his hands on the two of you and says, empower, be empowered. And as every time you fight against each other, you are hindering your empowerment to bring things from heaven into earth concerning the purpose of God and the will of God for the two of you. It's imperative that you have to walk together. And you do not let, and I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking to every couple in here. It's imperative that your relationship has to reflect the oneness of God in order to walk in the empowerment and the blessings of God. Not only for your blessing, but so that you can be a blessing to other people. And the only way Satan can hinder that is to cause you to see him differently than what God would see him and cause you to treat her differently than the way God would treat her. It's just something that you understand. I don't know if you ever had a daughter. Okay? Every man knows that when a girl brings a boy home for the first time, daddy snarls. At least I do. I guess that's why my daughter's 31 and still not, still not married. It's my fault. Because we know daddy's girl is to be treated like the princess that she is. But gentlemen, let me, let, me, let me hit you to something. That's God's daughter. 
careful how you treat him. Watch this. He says, and bless them. And he, God said to them, what he said to both of them, be what? And then do what? Okay, and fill the earth. So that's the first purpose. Okay, now how is that going to happen? He says, you're going to have babies. The earth is filled with families who produce children who know God and being taught about God. See, more lessons are caught than taught. Is it possible that a lot of our children, when they turn 18, walk away from God because they see the discrepancy between what, how you read? I realize the seriousness of my testimony. If Satan could ever get a foothold in my marriage, he will forever destroy everything I will go after in the name of Jesus. Because my first ministry is not to you. My first ministry is not to the Living Word Church. My first ministry is to Nadine, Dominique Nicole Fry, Nathaniel Thomas Fry, and Emmanuel Frederick Fry. That's my first ministry. Not to Living Word Church, to my family. I will be a miserable failure if I go out and win tens of thousands of people to the Lord and lose my own children. I will be a failure, a flat failure if my marriage fails. Now, God is a redeemer. He can restore. He can forgive. He can. But look what Satan holds over me every time I try to take a step for God. Look what he'll try to blackmail me. And I know that. And I'm not giving him that, that, that pleasure. I will not give it to him. You will not. You will not. You will not. I will not do it. I declare out of my mouth all the time. I tell my wife, baby, I will never do anything to hurt. I do not ever want to hurt you. I'm even careful with the words in my mouth when I'm frustrated. I give the Holy Spirit the power to govern my tongue. I don't always get it right. And when I get it wrong, I say, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Because I know what Satan's after. Satan is after the union of oneness and your authority together as believers. He's after that. He don't care about you and your husband. He just don't want you and your husband walking in one with the authority in the earth with God. He don't want that. If he can cause that division. Amen. Having children in our, in, our, in our culture today is looked upon as a burden and not a blessing. Children are seen as a hindrance instead of a reward. Look at Psalm 7, 127, 3-5. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord and fruit of the, of the wound a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior or the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man, empowered to prosper, is the man who fills his quiver with children. You know what a quiver is? Anybody know what a quiver is? What's a quiver? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So when a, when a, when a warrior quiver is full of arrows, what does that provide for him as a warrior? Ammo. What else? Power. Protection. Literally, he says, your children are a protection to you. They are a protection. But what have we done? I remember I went to, Mama, I went to Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to downtown Peachtree, Peachtree Street. You remember been there? And boy, if you've been down Peachtree, it's happening. It's kicking. And I remember the first time I stood on a corner because we went to the underground mall. Y'all familiar with that? There's an underground mall. And I went there. And so I came up at the top. The kids were all shopping. And I was just standing on the corner of Peachtree. And I saw business and, and just being transacted. I saw BMWs and I saw just sports cars. And, but what was unique, I saw these 30-something, 40-something-year-old power women with briefcases and sports cars and business. And I'm like, whoa, these sisters is making it happen. They got it going on up in Atlanta. Until one day, um, while in Atlanta, I was listening to the radio and this, there was had this talk show host uh, on the radio was talking about the new, the new uh, businesswoman and how she thinks. And he said the majority of the businesswomen despise the idea of being tied down to a man, but they have a desire; they want to raise a family. Okay, <laughs> but one way you can do that. So what they have done is. They find, they go into the workplace or whatever, and they find a man that is suitable, his physical characteristics, he's fine, he's good looking and whatever. And then they have this baby with them and they don't want the man, they just want the child. 
And so now that's what they're doing in the 21st century. That's called the new millennium woman, power woman. She wants the child, but not the relationship. See how they've redefined? See how they redefined it? to give a godly legacy. Not only is children a reward and a blessing, but it is God's primary way of passing on his word from one generation to the next. Long after I'm gone, I want to live to see the rapture, but if for whatever reason the Lord take me home, my legacy to my children is not how much land I left them, how much money I left them in the bank. You know what I want my babies to say about me? First of all, let me tell you about my daddy. He loved God. He wasn't perfect, but he loved God. Second thing I want my boys to understand about me, he loved my mom. He loved our mom. He loved her. He adored her. And that legacy, if caught, one day my boys will walk down the aisle with another man's daughter, and because of that legacy, they will love that man's daughter the way I have loved their mom. And if they live it right, then they will have boys who will get married and love their wives like they saw their dad, my sons, love their wives, their mom and dad. And then they saw their dad love his mom, love his wife. Why? Because rooted in the relationship is the understanding of kingdom, understanding of marriage. That's my legacy. I would love to leave them houses and lands, but you know what? I'm I'm a wealthy man spiritually. This coming Friday, this is my last weekend for my baby boy. Let me quickly get this in here. This is the last weekend for my baby boy. This coming Friday, we're going to take off and drive him to Oklahoma. He's going to Old Roberts University. God blessed him with $89,000 of scholarship money, money we didn't have, money we did not have. God made that happen. Just this past Wednesday or Thursday, Nate just signed a pro contract with a team out of Canada. He'll be leaving at the end of October to go play pro basketball in Canada. But in all, just a Friday, my wife had to go to work. I was off. I got up in the hospital and said, get out the bed. I know you're tired. Go spend some time with your boys. So we drove to New Orleans. We went to UNO, and we hung out. We went eight. We went did this. I went and bought him a little iPad. And we just talked. We talked about spiritual things. We laughed. We joked. And I did that because both of my boys are getting ready to leave me. Man, it's leaving Friday. Nate will be leaving at the end of October. And Nate and I will be able to sleep at night because we have taught them. It's on them now. And I say, Lord, they're in your hands. You can do more with them than I can. And I pray that the Holy Spirit conviction power will be strong on their lives. Lord, may they sanctify their eyes. May they never look at things that will destroy them. May not, they never put their hands on things that will destroy them. Because that's the prayer my daddy prayed for me. It's the prayer he prayed for me. They, but we know the enemy's coming to tempt them. But at least they have the word in them. And they had an example. I'd like to be known. I, I, I provided a good example for them. So not only we see the union and completion, the godly legacy, but also the third purpose and final purpose is the, the mirror image of God. What is God's purpose for creating a home and created humans? In Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, look what it says. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Male and female, male and female, he created male and female. He created male and female. He created male and female. See, I have to say that enough times because of the amount of times you're hearing, you know, some people are born with certain tendencies. That you're born like that. And if it don't line up with the original plan of God, then I've just got to just, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I choose the truth of God's word. This third purpose of marriage mirrors God's image, is a critical foundation, foundation to understand God's design. That's where it starts. It starts with the understanding why he created marriage. 
I pray today you never see your spouse the same way after this class. I pray today you don't see your spouse. And for those of you looking to get in marriage, marriage, I pray that you think long and hard at what you just heard today. It means that God chose to reveal to us part of his character and being through our relationships. Isn't it interesting that God says, I'm going to create something and put two different people in it, make them one, and he says, okay, now I'm going to reveal myself to you through her. I'm going to reveal myself to you through him. That's how he did it. For example, when we love one another in our marriage, we reflect God who created love and is love. When we forgive one another, we reflect God who has forgiven us in Christ. He says, as you have been forgiven, so you forgive. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, so therefore reconcile your brother. What has been given to us freely, we give to others. When we love and forgive one another in marriage, we demonstrate the world to the world what God looks like. God chose to use a husband and a wife to represent or mirror him to humankind. He extended as a king, he extended his kingdom to earth and then placed his subjects by creating the institution of marriage that will reflect him. In conclusion, marriage is far more than just a cultural institution or a contract. Marriage is far more than just a place where men and women can get their needs met. Marriage is beautifully designed to represent God in the earth. Marriage is designed to be a covenant relationship that God uses to demonstrate his love, forgiveness, and long-suffering with the centerpiece, with the centerpiece of his creation. Marriage is the centerpiece. Creation of man is the centerpiece of his creation. Wow. Questions or comments? we got about seven minutes. Has this teaching been a blessing for you? And the beauty of that, and I'm going to share this with you, is that because you have met her, God is a redeemer. What did not happen for you then, God can make happen now. And I'm going to just tell you, do what Paul says. Paul says, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me. I press now. There is a pressing the two of you. Forget those things which are behind you. The choices that has been made are the choices that have made you. But God has redeemed you. And now he says, okay, let me give you a second chance. And now you pick up together and you run for Christ. And you even cement your relationship even more solid spiritually. And the more you become one spiritually, you will find there is a greater authority that comes when the two of you begin to declare, when the two of you begin to pray together. So forget those things which are behind you. They become a stone as a reminder, but... I don't want to repeat that in the second one. Bless God. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Right. That's strictly up to him. Very good. And you stay happy and excited about serving Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? Something that this message has blessed you with? Yes, ma'am.
that we love. So when you see it as them, you need to see it as their enemy behind them and pray for them, pray for their enemies. Because mm-hmm. even though you're, you might have people that are persecuting you and stuff, you have to see it as they have an enemy. Right, right. Very good. Very good. Because you can't pray for people you don't like. So if the if the one enemy that is causing them to do that is Satan, then you have the ability to pray for the person who's doing it because we're called to pray. We're called to love. We're called to forgive. Yeah. So you go after the enemy who's influencing the behavior. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. My youngest daughter. Amen. And her mother, anything she can do to brainwash my child, right. use her against me. Right. I try not to put the blame on that. Right. Because I say to myself that Satan trying to drive them away from what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. I get with the Lord. And the more you guys come together, I'm glad you're saying this, the more God's going to fight for you in that area. You won't have to fight for yourself. The more, yeah, he's going to battle for you. And his victories will be sweatless. Your victories will be sweatless. Sweatless. When God's fighting for you. For marriage, I, it just was 34 in June. So it'll be next year, next June. Excellent. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyone else? I want to share this. This has been such a delight for me. I always love to share the word of God with my brothers and sisters. And I do see you as my brothers and sisters. I honor you. I love you all. Um, God just want to all of us to come to another level of understanding him as a king. And, and how do we live in this kingdom where God rules and reigns. I love you. And I pray that this has been a blessing for you. And ask the Lord to just multiply you. And just do the things he wants. May his will be done. Father, we thank you in all that you've done today. You told us to pray this. Lord, let your kingdom come. And let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your kingdom be seen in our marriages and our relationship with people. And let your will be done in our lives. So that every choice we make reflects the glory of the Father. And we want earth to look like heaven. We want the purpose of God that has been purposed in heaven to be displayed here on earth through our marriage, through our relationship, through our lives. And we forever give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love y'all. All right. God is